down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Bowling, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Saturday night, we're doing something a little different tonight. We'll get into it in just a second. I am David. That's right, David Richardson here. I am joined by my man, Smark. What is going on, buddy? Oh, that, all that, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Smark hit mute. I'm not sure if he knows he's on mute right now. But anyway, Smark is here. I promise you, he's out there. <laughs> there he is. What's up, Smart? I am. There we go, yes. I'm still getting used to this whole mute-unmute system two years into the game. Well, you know, it takes time. Takes time, Smart. Mm -hmm. Takes time. Takes Someday. time. How you doing, sir? How are you tonight? I am doing well. All right, good. I'm good. I'm glad I, uh, glad I got you along for this little trial run of reviewing a concert um, 
Now, I did find a concert with a documentary that goes along with it. Wasn't a very well-known documentary from what I find out, because when I tried to get it again, I couldn't find it. So, um, this is not a very well-known documentary, although it was a hell of a successful tour that we're about to talk about. It's going to be Family Values Tour 1998. I think this is going to be pretty fun, man. I really do. Yeah, I think so, too, definitely. Yeah, we guys had some great bands uh, back then. Then, you know, it was the 90s, obviously really, really good bands back then. And, you know, coming into the, from the grunge to, I guess they consider core new metal. Yeah, I mean, sort of pioneers, I guess, if you want to look at it like that, because they were out what, around, I want to say, early 90s, 94, 95, maybe, is when they first did kind of making rounds. They were like, they had a video on MTV for a little while. Even Beavis and Butthead reviewed one of their songs. Right. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that that's the big, you've hit the bigs at that point, sir. Well, but of course. But I mean, just as an example of the time it was around, you know, they had been around for quite a while at this point, because you're talking fall of 98 was when this tour happened. True. Yeah, you're right. You're you're right. It was the fall of '98, but I mean, Jesus Christ, it was a. Let me see how many do they have. I think it was 29 dates on this tour. Mm -hmm. The tour went from, and we're going to get into plugs in just a second. The tour went from September 22nd, 1998, all the way to October 31st, 1998. 29 dates in that much time. That's that's a lot. Oh, fucking, that's a lot of work, man. It's got to be exhausting, I can only imagine. Yeah, that must have been one hell of a little, uh, one hell of a fucking ride for these guys. But uh, obviously they got it done, and it was, a, like I said, it was a really good, a really good tour. I mean, I, I, I didn't get to go to it, but I did, like I said, I saw the video of it and everything and like I said I that's the only way we have the video is I record I actually a long time ago recorded this off of VHS and mm -hmm. obviously the uh, my copy is 2 hours and 13 minutes the real video is only an hour and 25 minutes it's all blank afterwards but I did record this from VHS to DVD and then somehow got it on here I don't remember how I got it digitally but I'm glad I had it I'm glad I do have this, and I think, uh, like I said, it's going to be definitely a different show, but it's going—I think it's definitely going to be interesting and uh, kind of a kind of a trial run to see if it it works, and if so, I'm going to do Live Aid one night, actually two nights. That's going to have to be a double. That's going to have to be a two-parter. So there you go. And there is a Live Aid documentary that we can follow along with, and that's kind of what we're going to follow along with is the documentary just kind of because that's something you can, you actually can see it. It is on YouTube. The full documentary is on YouTube. If you type in the tour family values tour, 1998, it's actually, it pops right up and you can watch it. So you can actually go on right on YouTube and watch this little video. Um, like I said, let's go ahead and uh, get plugs knocked out. Let me get something right there. Let me do this. And let me hit that right there. Play a little corn, another brick in the wall in the background. 
That was, an, I, that was a good one. That was a good one. So anyway, you guys should be checking out the high marks. That's right. It's the cheese man. It's the mojo. It's the G whiz. And it is the best thing you could be doing is listening to that show. That's right. High marks. You want to check them out. Mixler.com slash metal mitt network. That's right. Two T's in mitt. No stammer. No stutter. Mixler.com slash metal mitt network. 830 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. And, of course, the Bobby Anthem and Bobby Blades. Check out those guys. They are the Inhumans on the Inhuman Experience. You should already be subscribed to them on wherever you get your podcast from. If you're not, shame, shame, shame on you. And, of course, that gives us Eric over there at the Everything Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to check out Eric, Doug, and Daniel over there, Blog Talk Radio, and anywhere you find podcasts, which brings us right to Stephen Milan. Don't forget to check him out. Letterboxd, B-O-X-D.com slash Stephen Milan, two L's in Milan, and he is over there reviewing movies. And obviously, you guys know where to find us right here, Mixer.com slash Hollywood-Hangout. That's where you're going to find us over here. And we're on all the usual podcast platforms also. And don't forget to check out me and Smart. Wednesday nights, Dirt Sheet Dudes, Mixler.com slash Dirt Sheet Dudes. Go. That's it. Monday's evening PM on the Metal Hit Podcast. Now we'll get his cheese on sport. Cheese, no G voice. Mojo, or well, not Mojo, Big and myself. It's a Mojo free edition. If you want that incites anybody. But what you also want to do, if you want to go to Mojo, then tune in Sunday at 2 30 p.m. on the Metal Podcast Network on the Mixer Machine. It is the Mojo City Machine Gun with Mojo and with Dirt. And last but never least, be sure to check out our friends at Planet uh, back on tour. It's been a back on tour podcast about the anthem. Papa Dave Sincere, you got Massey all the 16 episodes of season one are available for you as well as season two ongoing, so be sure to subscribe. Right. There you go. That is it right there. I'm still trying to see if maybe we can figure out why this thing is not pulling your mic in correctly. It's the, uh, the Skype updated tonight, everybody, and for some reason it's just not. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Let me see something. Okay. Well, turning the dials, flipping the I, switches. I bet if I had restarted this computer, it would have been fine. I think what happened is we had used Zoom earlier, and it's kind of stuck on Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to restart real quick, we can. Or if you, you want, want me to, to restart I mean, my computer? No, I would have to restart my computer. I mean, that's entirely up to you. I don't know how it sounded. I'm, I have you're, no gauge for this because it's my audio. I mean, you're you're not sounding horrible, but with it, you're not clear as you should be because it's coming through a different way. So let me do this. Let me, let me tab. I have no problem waiting if you decide that's what you want to do. Yeah, give me one sec. Let me uh, let me set up a new folder here real quick. Because I have some websites saved here. So, tell y'all what, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to restart this bad boy, this computer. And uh, as soon as we get back, we will jump right back into this. It's going to continue right back where we were. So, just give us a couple minutes here and uh, be right back. So, you downloaders won't even know we, we left anywhere. So, just give me a minute here. All right. So, plugs are done. And uh, we're going to jump right back into this thing. I restarted. It didn't do a goddamn thing. But anyway, let's let's just jump right into this thing. That's not a bad idea, I guess. 
And look at that. See, we 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 just jumped right back in at four at four twenty. Mark, what do you think of that? Yeah, how about how about that, huh? So, all righty. So, again, we're talking about the Family Values Tour from nineteen ninety eight. It was a uh, pretty crazy, crazy time back in the nineties for concerts. Uh, concerts were really big. Matter of fact, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I spent a lot of the nineties going to concerts. And the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was hitting up quite a few concerts back in 98, too. Yeah. Know? Well, I don't remember exactly when some of them were. <laughs> but, and I, I've, even, I've ever been in one of, have you ever been to a, like a festival kind of show like this with a bunch of different bands? Yeah, actually, every year. Uh, the 98 thing was a joke because I was eight years old but anyway oh okay, okay. um <laughs> i was of course there was no way in hell i'd even be able to kick into a show like this right we're talking about at the time we all would have loved to have uh they actually did stop by my old stopping ground at the rosemont horizon up there in chicago with the shows um uh-huh. but yeah every year down every year downtown chattanooga not too far from where i'm at they have it's called the riverbed festival and they have it's it varies, but it was for a while. It was like ten days. Now I think it's like five. But every day it would be, you know, a whole different set of acts. It would start in like the afternoon and at night. And it'd be different stages. So it'd be. I've been to that a couple of times. So I'm kind of familiar with the festival atmosphere. All right, there you go. Um, I've been to a Lollapalooza, and mm-hmm. a couple of those. There was a radio station, uh, Buzz One Hundred Three Point One. And they would have something called the Buzz Bake Sale. And it was a full day festival just like this. I saw like, my God, I saw like 311. And I think Limp Biscuit might have been there. Uh, Some 41 was there. It was an all day festival. It was like three stages, bands everywhere. It was a pretty fucking cool show. I know Disturbed was there. And then I went to, um, okay. yeah. went to an Oz Fest, if you remember the old Oz Fests. They were good. Ozzy was always the headliner, but it was an all-day festival of a bunch of different bands. Another time I saw Disturbed. Um, I can't remember who else I've seen there. Man, I can't remember. How, that's about the only... I mean, besides the old chili cook-off with the country bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I really used to go to chili cook-offs down there. It was it was fun, man. Those were good times. Lots of drinking. Yeah, Lots. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. You mentioned that it seems like every like rock station had their own little festival for a while there, where it's just like you know anyone that's in any sort of a major market, you know, like right. you were Texas or you know Chicago area, Florida, whatever the fuck, you know, any sort of major market radio station had their own little music festival for a minute there. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a like I said, concerts back in you know, especially in the mid to late nineties, concerts were what it was, and these festivals. Lollapalooza kind of, I mean, obviously we know Woodstock was the original festival music, uh, you Mm. know, concert, but, you know, back in what, 68 or 69. um, But Mm. this was just, you know, Lollapalooza kind of was like a resurgence of these and it was just a great way to make money. And I mean, I'm sure they made a ton of money when they did these shows. I know they had to lay out a ton, but. I mean, tickets were ridiculous. Beers were already seven to nine dollars, even back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I was looking at a little bit. Uh, I was doing some quote unquote research. And by that, I mean looking at Wikipedia about this tour. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned ticket prices. And they were saying that one of the keys to success for the Family Values tour was that they had very fan friendly prices. They were saying it's about an average of $26 to $29 per ticket. Nice. See, that's pretty good right there. And you see, I'm sure they did these shows that a lot of people used to have the amphitheaters. You know, you got your covered spot with the rich people in their seats and then the the people like me and everyone else out there on the lawn. Yeah, the, the local one at the time in, in Chicago was called The World. My mom actually worked there as a security guard for a little while. Right. She did OzFest was one of her assignments. Ah, see the OzFest. There you go. Like I said, I was at one of those. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. It was good. Ozzy came on yeah. so, so late. I was so fucked up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's always a problem. This is not my story, but there's like, I don't know if you've ever been to one or if you ever heard of one for a while. They're, they're doing uh, Monsters of Rock. Uh huh. And it was like one of those, it was like early 90s. I think it was the combination of like a bunch of different acts at the time. You'd have like a Guns N' Roses, Metallica, things like that. My mom went to one. And she went with a couple of her friends. She was probably late teens, early 20s at the time. Mm-hmm. And her and her friends, basically, they got so fucked up that by the time the headliner showed up, the headliner was Van Halen. Everybody was just, like, drunk or intoxicated or just fucking dehydrated hot. So everybody <laughs> just decided to go home. They're just like, yeah, fuck it. Nobody particularly cares. Ah, just let's beat the traffic and get out of here. Mm-hmm. There you go. I've done that. I, I think we, I think actually at that time when I, when I went to the Oz Fest, I went with a bunch of people, but I ended up leaving with what turned out to be my ex-girlfriend before I moved here. Um, and we did leave in the middle of Ozzy. I know she drove. <laughs> she wasn't half as bad as I was. Um, I was pretty bad. That was pretty bad that <laughs> night, but uh, yeah, I know she she drove me home, and all my all my other friends had already left. From what I remember, they had already gone home. So, but I've definitely been to a few of these little festival type concerts, and they're always a damn good time. Lots of bands, like I said, just tons of bands. And this one here was a kind of, you know, I mean, Lollapalooza had a lot of different acts at it too, but this was definitely a hell of a lineup. Let's, uh, let's run down the lineup. What do you say, Smark? Sure. Limp Biscuit. First one was the first one up. We'll uh, go through some of the music and stuff as we're uh, as as we go through some of this. Ice Cube was the next up. Yes, they threw Ice Cube in here. Now, Ice Cube was replaced in the last five shows, but not because anything happened, not because didn't, people didn't like him, nothing like that. He started filming for uh, Friday. Next Friday. Next Friday. That's right. He started filming for next Friday, and that's the reason why he didn't do the last five shows. Now, if you look at Wiki, it says September 25th is when he quit, but or not quit, but when he had to leave, but... That doesn't make sense. They said for the last five dates. So that would not be September. I think someone mistyped their month. Yeah, it would have been after the third show. 
but he wouldn't have been on the DVD, which he's on the DVD, because the majority, it seems like the majority of the DVD is filmed in the New Orleans show on the 18th of October. Exactly. He even comes out and talk, and says, hey, hey, New Orleans. So, yeah, mm-hmm. this, you know, that one's definitely there. Now, some of the documentary, you'll notice they're in costumes, which was the last show they did was on Halloween night, 1998, at the Patriot Center um, over there in Fairfax. So it was uh, definitely a fun time that they were having out there. Now, actually, I believe Ramstein ended up getting arrested that night. I think that's actually part of the wiki also. Uh <laughs> Well, they showed a little bit at the very beginning, a little compilation of all the artists and some of their antics. But uh, Mm -hmm. they apparently, according to the old Wikipedia, they decided to pull the Red Hot Chili Peppers and show up essentially butt-ass naked to their concert. And she got shut down quick. But they show a little bit of it, like, while they're doing the montage at the beginning of the video. They're backstage and they're wearing the attire that they wore on Halloween because not a lot of clothes, not a lot of clothes. No, no, and all the acts when they went out there that night went out dressed as '80s rockers, which was really fucking hilarious. That 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 was funny, um, but it looks like they just had a good time during this show. And you know, it was still it was 1998. Like I said, concerts were huge, um, and this this new metal, I just didn't realize that's what it was at the time. It, I, it was really kicking in, and kind of that, I guess, the rap rock. Yeah, that's always what I knew it as, just that, like rap rock. And then I think new metal kind of was a term that was coined after the fact. Yeah, I think people wanted to seem cooler. Like, yeah, I was the first new metal man back with Corn and Limp Biscuit and, uh, and Orgy and all those guys. But um, anyway, uh, Ice Cube was replaced by the in the last five shows because he went to film and he was replaced by Incubus, which I can't think of one Incubus right. song. I really can't. Really? No. Uh, pardon me. Uh, drive. I'm trying to remember a couple of different ones. I think I remember Drive. There's a bunch of different ones. I think I remember Drive. Think I, I, I think yeah. I remember Drive. If you choose water over wine, take the wheel. Yeah, that helped. Yeah. That helped. Just another whiny band. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. It's definitely a tonal shift for Ice Cube. Yeah, because, I mean, they were really trying with Ice Cube. You even hear him in the video talking about how, you know, yeah, we really wanted to go out there and, you know, do something different with Ice Cube. And then it's like, well, you could have replaced him with a lot of different people, but you replaced him with Incubus. Maybe it was a last minute replacement. Who knows? I don't know what happened, but... um Well, it it held up better over time because they had their minute there for a little while that they were pretty big on the charts after the fact but i think more than anything they kind of pointed out with it like they have a couple of people complaining about the catering and shit right so it's like there's a every there's a couple of points here where corn were like they were the organizers it was kind of obvious that they maybe cut a couple corners and went a little bit cheap and i think that they just looked for anybody to replace ice cube more than anything it's funny while we're talking about ice cube that like 
he definitely was at a different stage of his life mm-hmm. c- compared to the rest of the people that he was doing the concert with because you they, they're talking to some of the newer bands are talking like Limp Bizkit and they're talking to Orgy like their whole kind of thing is just they're just out there trying to have fun trying to see a couple titties you know whatever get drunk and hang out with their friends and Ice Cube's like yeah I'm trying to set up my kids <laughs> to have a have a good school and I, I want to get them to good school and I want to get them to have a leg up you know because that's what's important to me right now it's like oh yeah you are older than some yeah. of these other you have more credentials you're more of a credible artist than a lot of these people but you are definitely a bit older oh yeah i mean he was leaving to go film a movie those guys were like oh we still have a whole show to finish thanks buddy um yeah awesome cool mm-hmm. but yeah he 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 was on a different level by 1998 i mean he had been through all the bullshit already and he'd made his money he was just doing it for doing it but you know, they were trying to just gain a new audience, and if not gain a new audience, just show a new audience what the hip-hop was about that, let's face it, not everyone had back then had heard a lot of hip-hop. Well, he gives them credibility in a lot of ways, because you have, you know, Limp Bizkit was primarily the ones that were doing the rap thing, the rap rock thing, but Korn did a little bit of the rap rock too. Right. So having somebody like an Ice Cube there to like, you know, throw his name value to it, to kind of, like I said, be, you know, give them a little bit of extra cred was, uh, that was definitely important for them. And then even if you look at it, the factor of like, they're primarily looking to reach out to kids to have like the younger, the teenagers come and see their show or whatever. So right. if you have, say, an older brother, an older, or just sort of a younger parent, it might be Ice Cube might resonate with them a little bit more and might, you know, kind of add a little bit of a uh, driving factor as to whether or not you want to go see the show. Yeah, true. Very true. Well, if you didn't, if you didn't have enough of Ice Cube, well, you've got Orgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious because if any band sticks out on this, like in terms of what they were achieving at the time and what they would achieve later on, they are definitely the odd man out. Did <laughs> it was even funny because you had Ice Cube talking about all the acts, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, you got you know, Limp Biscuit, you know, they're doing the rap rock thing. You got Corn, they're doing their stuff. You got Ron Stein with the fire, and you have. Yeah, orgy doing their stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That is the most half-hearted endorsement of a band. Oh, I mean, let's put it this way. Their most famous song was a remake of the Blue Monday song that, you know, the 80s New Order song. New, I think that was, Mm -hmm. I think that was who did that song in the 80s. New Order, I believe that was the the name of the band. I think it is. Um, But that's the most known song they're known for. That they're known for is that song, you know, how... Does it feel? Treat yeah, me they like kind you. of struck me as like you remember how at the same same time period, mm. Euro pop was kind of big, and it would always just be there was like two girls that were like barely eighteen, and then like two like thirty eight year old European men that are just there in the band too. Yeah, like they, they strike me as they could have just been in the fucking Vega Boys, and nobody would have noticed. Yeah, true. And uh, they came out and did a song. Also, Jonathan Davis got him for their last song, and. Uh, Probably made it a little better. Now, you did mention a bunch of giant older German men. Uh, Ramstein. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is basically what they are. Based A bunch of older German men. Um, they put on a crazy act. We'll get into it in a little while. And then Korn was the headliner for the show. Um, like I said, though, good show. Really fun show. Um, and even watching the 
you know, kind of took you back to 19, 1998 watching this video. Video actually didn't come out until 1999, to be honest with you guys. But um, it still was just a great time for music. And I mean, really, the music back then was really good. I mean, like I said, we were just coming out of the 80s, which, let's face it, I enjoy a lot of that music, but I know why a lot of people don't enjoy that music. It's kind of a, if you didn't grow up with it, I get it. But we were just coming out of that and, you know, heading into the 2000s very soon after this. And, you know, people were already talking about Y2K back in 1998, man. What was going to happen in 2000? So, but the music was fucking awesome. And the, especially in the, you know, this was this was also on the heels of grunge, too. Mm-hmm. This was like the grunge competition, this kind of music, I would say. Yeah, that was sort of the next big movement in music after grunge. Right. Yeah. Most, yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that. But uh, I mean, you know, you had your, you, know, you had you know, the the jumping, which was always big in the '90s in the concerts, right there. I mean, Jesus Christ, even Limp Bizkit did jump around to get the guys and girls jumping. You had the uh, one girl who literally just popped her titties over the guardrail and was just jumping with them hitting. Oh my God! They focused on her what three four times. I'm gonna have to go back and I skipped past jump around about midway through and I appear to have made a tremendous uh tactical error. There was a, I was like, yeah, they're not doing a very good job with this cover version, so I'll just go ahead and no. skip on the ice cube. And I apparently missed myself a gem of its own. Well, there was a girl in the front row who had on a little white halter top and was showing oh, okay. I, I saw her towards the beginning of the show. They folk yes, they focused on her more than once. Um there was a lot of boobies in this show. One girl just Back there in the backstage, just rolling them around, flashing them, and <laughs> rolling them around. And there was titty licking going on. I'm like, wow, this just popped in the video in the '90s, huh? I mean, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. I miss this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the uh, the DVD version of this. I actually, believe it or not, I had the CD version. We can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But what I did have was the uh, couple of years later, the Up and Smoke tour DVD. Mm-hmm. And they dedicated an entire fucking segment, like an entire chapter of the DVD to just that. Wow. Where it was just like booby after booby, like licking boobs, all that kind of thing. It was just, <laughs> you got your money's worth if you bought that DVD. Nice. Well, you probably needed your money's worth after you bought that DVD. So, um, as like a 13 year old who didn't have regular computer access, I definitely appreciated that DVD. <laughs> DVDs are pretty worn out, huh? I don't even know where it is anymore, unfortunately. I wish I had it, but I don't. I don't have it. You had to burn it. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had to burn that bad boy. Oh yes. Um. You know what? I guess we can start kind of getting into the movie. Um. Really, not going to be a ton to talk about. Like I said, we're going to get into. I mean, I'm not going to play you every single. Um songs the band did that the band did we'll play a little bit of the beginning and then we'll talk about the other songs they did and maybe jump into some of that but um i'll play a little bit of the actual like i said the documentary them talking a little bit about the actual tour how you know kind of why they wanted to do it a little bit of all that and um a lot of that is right here in the beginning of the movie or the documentary i guess we should call it and uh, I guess I'll go ahead and play that real quick. And by the way, you were talking about um, how you were too little to get in this show. Their kids were on stage with them at the end. Mm-hmm. 
literally Jonathan Davis's son was on stage with him. <laughs> oh, I was definitely, I was definitely listening to this kind of music at that time. I just, to be able to talk somebody into going to the concert with me was going to be a hard so. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's get into this a little bit. I think I, I didn't mark my spots like I usually do, so we're going to have to wing it a little bit. But here we go. Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Oh, right. wait, hold on. Oh, yeah. concept of the tour was to just have a whole hell of a lot of fun. I don't feel any competition whatsoever, I don't think. Do you? Except between the five of us. Limp Biscuit. We're always competing between the band to see who's the best. Yeah. I think, I, I think as a family, the way we are in, individually is, uh, that's my personal shit. I don't need to get into that. You guys want to, go ahead. It's just a family. It's like, you know, it's like there's no... It's really com comfortable. The, the whole tour is really comfortable. There's no tension between anyone. The catering's terrible. Completely food is awful. Orange saving some money. We didn't carry our own catering on this tour like we should have because uh, we wanted to save a little bit of cash. We drank like 30 beers a night. <laughs> no Jack and Cokes, man. He would drink like 30 Jack and Cokes in 10 minutes. Got milk? <laughs> if you guys miss the Family Values Tour, you're going to be sorry after you watch this video. You're going to be like, why didn't I go? Because it was one of the best tours that ever happened in the history of rock. You got, uh, you know, what Orgy's doing. Hardcore rap. Limp Biscuit. Ramstein with the fire. And then Corn, the headliner. Show builds as it goes on. So we always did that. We always wrote for the kids. We think of a part and go, oh, this would be a bad part, and see the kids jump and the crowd jump. We've always wrote that way. Just, a lot of people think glamour. being on the road is like full of glamorous, like there's just all kinds of great stuff going on all the time. And uh, there's not really anything going on besides an hour show a night. That's about yeah, it. Locker room. Sitting around That's in a shitty dressing room, eating some shitty food. Why do you think we drink? Trying to keep the heart beating and not die. <laughs> I think it's cool the way the bands, everybody comes out and mixes with each other. I mean. It's like, Ice Cube comes out with corn. Yeah. We come out with corn. But really, no one else comes out with anybody else. Das mich stört am meisten, dass die Amerikaner so empfindlich sind und uns nicht die Freiheit geben, unsere Show. Okay, that's the keyboard player from uh, Ramstein right there. That's talking in German. And uh, if you give me a second, I will uh, go back and let's see if I can uh, read the translation. I think it was the first part he said was uh let's see here hold on let me go back here hold on corn yeah. we come out with corn but really no one else comes out with anybody else that's he said what disturbs me most about uh is that americans are so conservative <laughs> let's keep going they will not give us the freedom to do our show the way we would like titty licking right here already in the beginning of the video we've got titty licking Naked men. We're not uptight. Basic thing is. I'm not a control freak. Exactly. Okay, I am sometimes. So there you go. That's pretty much the kind of the beginning of it right there. And I mean, it it did seem like they were having a lot of fun on this tour. If you watched the show, they really did. They had they looked like they were having a blast. Like Fred Durst was just saying, a bunch of the bands came out there. Um, Ice Cube came out with Corn. Uh, uh, you know what? Here, I've got actually the list of who came out with who exactly. Um, let's see here. We had um, 
Jonathan Davis came out with Orgy, like I said. We had Corn um, had Ice Cube out there, and they did All in the Family with Limp Biscuit. Corn did, and I think that that was about really it. That's really all the joining that was going on there. But um, the first act up was Limp Biscuit, which you can hear in the background a little bit right now. But he was he was the first act up. Let's give you a little bit of Limp Biscuit here. Keep it on in the background a little bit as we're talking a little bit. But um, now, Smart, I said I had seen Limp Biscuit. Have you ever seen Limp Biscuit in concert before? I have not live. No, I haven't seen anybody that's on this bill in person. But I'm a fan of most of them. I'll say this. You know, you can talk shit about the guy, douchebag, whatever, crappy music, whatever. But, man, I'm going to tell you for a few years there. This guy would go out there and that fucking crowd would go absolutely batshit nuts for this band. See, I, I think it is starting to come around a little bit. Because everybody, like, they had their turn, but they were super popular. And then everybody just all pretended out of, for whatever reason, it became, like, socially acceptable that if you ever listen to them at all, you're supposed to be ashamed of yourself. You're supposed to deny it. Or you're supposed to pretend that you never listened to them at all. And now I think we're starting to kind of come around to where the 90s nostalgia is starting to become more and more prevalent and there i think less and less people are like actually ashamed of admitting that there was a time and place where they actually did listen to and enjoy biscuit well now you got it you know he's coming out there dressed as a dad and stuff now old fred durst but um i yeah i mean like i said man he, he really would just come out there and knock the fucking crowd out the fucking like you know corn was just talking about you know going out there and seeing the kids jumping all around and throwing each other and shit they're all crowd surfing and everything it, they were huge. I mean, and you know, you got Wes up there with his red eyes in. You got the other guy with you know all the makeup on for a little while. So then the next thing you know, he's in his underwear. It's like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. If you, if you watch the DVD, it's some sharp shit <laughs> because they go from like they, from one song to the other. He has clothes on, and then he doesn't. And then, yeah, exactly. And uh, the first song they that uh, Olympic did was Cambodia. By the way, then they went to Counterfeit, and then they did Faith, and then they covered Jump Around. I think they did Jump Around more just, like I said, to get the crowd pumped up a little bit for Ice Cube coming out. Um, But I will get a little bit into Ice Cube in just a little while here. But um, like I said, we're just kind of playing a little bit of the current. I'll actually move up a little bit. Let me break the sound down a little bit. I'll actually move up a little bit and get to the next song. 
Uh, but in between that, we do have Fred Durst talking a little bit, and I do want to actually play that. So just give me one, like a couple seconds here, and uh, I'll just go ahead and pick it up. You know, I think because there's foul language in uh, a lot of the music, and the music that all these bands are doing is really emotional. I want to hear some motherfucking noise for Orgy. Listen to that crowd. Well, let's hear a big ass welcome for corn. Sometimes when you're really emotional, you know, maybe a foul word might come out or something, or maybe this and that, but the messages these bands are getting across, us and anybody, is nothing harmful to anyone whatsoever. It's it's not telling you to do drugs, to kill somebody, to hurt somebody. It's just feelings that other people have made you feel, and you're just expressing ourselves. Your phone's not ringing. Next tell. Next tell. Remember next tells? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, next tells were badass. They were. They were. Um, now we go to the next song that he's doing. It was a little bit of counterfeit. I don't know if you remember this song, Smark. Counterfeit. I don't remember counterfeit. I had that CD, the uh, three dollar billio. Yes, I did too. I did too. I got to tell you, I was actually playing. I knew a girl who was from Jacksonville, where these guys are from. And actually, her friend was Wes, the guy with the red eyes. And mm. she brought their their CD down. I was bumping this shit way before they were even popular. There you go. So anyway, let's jump into some counterfeit. shit man mm-hmm. good shit right there man like i said man you, you can say what you want like you were saying you like somehow you're supposed to be like ashamed of yourself if you ever listen to them well i listen to them i like the music i still like this music <laughs> yeah it's coming around it's coming back around there's more and more people that are like now for whatever weird reason i like when the quarantine started I just found myself having the urge to go back and to listen to like these bands in particular, the Corn and the Biscuit, and kind of see. Because back in the day, obviously as a kid, I was less cynical, but I loved their music at the time as a kid, and I was like listening back. And some of the Corn stuff holds up, some of it doesn't. But I, I did find myself listening up for whatever reason during the quarantine a lot to like Limp Biscuit, and I enjoyed myself. But I will say that uh, 
It's a little bit of salesmanship there from Fred Darius because he's talking about how people are discrediting them because of the you know the language that they use in their songs and stuff, and they're not promoting any sort of a bad message to kids to drink or do drugs or whatever. But there's still people that are against them, and this is again we're talking '98, so this is before Woodstock, some of the actual controversies that they would face. Right. But he's already sort of spinning the narrative that it's sort of us against them, and you know if you're listening to our music, people don't want you to, or people are trying to censor what you listen to. Like they're creating something for the kids to rebel against. So it's kind of it's smart that he's weaving this narrative. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much was. And, you know, yeah, it was you know, like you said, it's giving people something to rebel against. And you're right. You know, censorship was something that always been big in the music, you know, thing going around. So it works. So the next song that they get into, Smart, is a little cover of Faith, the old George, George Michael song. <laughs> Which is hilarious in a way because he says that he would like to dedicate this to all the women. It's like, yep, and then you would launch into your cover of famous womanizer George Michael. Yeah. Famous womanizer. Here we go. This song is dedicated to the women across America. I rewound for you. There you go. <laughs> well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. Crowd singing to him. Well, I bet this song really pissed off the real George Michael lovers out there. I'll tell you. Hmm. <laughs> These kids jumping around to this song. It's not supposed to be like that. Right? You're supposed to Carlton dance to this song. <laughs> Nobody's doing the Charleston at all. No, God damn it. What is this moss shit? <laughs> but I'll tell it you interesting though, okay, okay. at the time they were talking about I was reading the Wikipedia and they were talking about how porn was kind of using this to shed spotlight on lesser known acts and I didn't think about it you know where it was at at this point in time but like they released the single for this mm-hmm. the faith that we were just listening to October 31st 1998 so this was like as the tour was going on and they had some concert footage from the tour in the music video so that was sort of their very first big hit and like they were very much kind of unknown to a certain extent at the time unless you were like really big into that genre like you were talking about right yeah yeah they kind of were but I mean, this song here was definitely the, one of their biggest songs i mean this song got a lot of radio play for them this faith song uh, mm-hmm. it really did it, it did get them a lot of radio play so that definitely kind of skyrocketed their career a little bit and this tour like you know this was to give some lesser known bands a little bit of a little bit of you know notoriety and corn was a big band back then man they were they were big enough to you know launch a tour like this right 
yeah, that tour would go on for a couple of years, but yeah, like, and then it is kind of important to point out that they were friends. You know, Coin Olympus, get Fred Durst, Jonathan Davis were big friends. I guess Fred Durst for a while was a tattoo artist. Oh, I, and I, he gave Jonathan Davis some of his tattoos, or vice versa. But I want to say that it's Fred Durst that was a tattoo artist. Possibly, possibly that that definitely could be it. Now, um, that that could be. I don't know. That would make sense. He looks like he could be one. He dresses like one. <laughs> he dresses like one. He definitely does. It's funny, you know, all the other guys are changing their outfits. The other guys suddenly in underwear. And Fred Durst is in the same hat, the same shirt, same pants, the same shoes. Well, that was that's kind of an important thing, too, is talking about him being good at, like, marketing. Mm-hmm. Even, in, even at this point in their career, he's already got the red cap and the red pants and just a signature look that he becomes synonymous with. Yeah, now he's got the gray hair and uh, he's got uh, dad vibes going on. <clears throat> yeah, he's more he's more cuddly. He's, he's simmered down in his old age. There you go, simmered down a little bit. So, uh, man, well, we got we'll play a little bit of this next song, a little bit of jump around, a little cover here. Like I said, just kind of get the crowd going. And it, no, it wasn't that great, but it, it the crowd loved it. It was fun. So here we go. And break dancers out there. wasn't that bad yeah i mean it is what it is it's just it's not necessarily bad it's just different i mean it's a live version too so it it doesn't have the same kind of polish that the original had it does sound different it's a reimagining i guess but it's just i don't know the instrumentation doesn't work for me well i'll say this fred durst sounds better than most bands do live yeah 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 he does he does. He sounds better than most of the bands do. Um, I've heard some bands that are just not good at all live. It's like, oh, God, why did you even... How did you become famous? <laughs> I was right, by the way. He was a tattoo artist. It says here on the old Wikipedia, at the age of 12, Darius took an interest in breakdancing, hip-hop, punk, rock, and heavy metal. He began to rap, skate, beatbox, and DJ. Leaving the Navy after just two years, 1988 to 1990, Darius moved back to Jacksonville with his father, where he worked as a landscaper and tattoo artist while developing an idea for a band that combined elements of rock and hip-hop. By the way, what's interesting about that, I did not know that he was in the Navy. No. Good on him. But also, his real name is Frederick Allen Maine Third. So, so make your own assumptions as to what his background was like as a kid. But usually uh, people aren't named the third unless there's money involved somewhere. No, that's usually a very uh, affluent family. <laughs> usually the powerful families in the 
in the towns they are in. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they finish up their set and they come out with corn. But before that, we get a little talking out of the documentary, which I'm going to go ahead and play. Here we go. The crowd, the audience, man, they love it because they're not really expecting what they get. You know, they, they kind of come expecting one thing when they get this whole big dimensional show. We have Elvis's. Just remember this shit. Hi. And we had a little cameo from, uh, I believe his name is Matt Pinfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt Pinfield. Yeah. He's a famous rock journalist. He was on MTV a little bit every now and again. The old headbangers ball, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. As you also, it, it, like at the very beginning of it, they show Fred Durst riding a like down a hallway on a razor scooter. Yes. So it's very much 1998. If you want to talk about that, I always wanted one of those as a kid and I, I didn't get one. That was the only thing that I like really wanted as a kid that I didn't get. And I, like looking back on it as uncoordinated as I was and still am, I'm very much glad that I didn't because I would have mm. absolutely broken something. I had one because we had a, like a line of warehouses at the time. Mm-hmm like three or four buildings and I would use it to go from warehouse to warehouse. It looked very fun. I would say that. Yes. Yeah, it was, it, it was a fun way to get from warehouse to warehouse. I mean, and just... they still sell them too. Cause there was like, I was yeah. at a couple of years ago, I was at a Walmart and they were selling them for like 20 bucks. And I absolutely had the money on me. And I was like, I could totally buy this. Now I don't want Yeah, Now you'll probably get hurt. Just be careful. Okay. Be careful. Be careful on those things, but uh, we get a little more talk in here, but I did want to bring up the old Matt Pinfield real quick. Just the fact that he was on here and just looking dead into the camera and making hissing noises. Here we go. We got some blood over here. He's a bleeder. <laughs> oh, it's bleeding. Now, they gave this poor guy a mullet for some reason, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure why. A bowl mullet. Which is even worse. So, but he seemed to like it. So. Yo, this is Ice Cube, this Don motherfucking Mega, with my homeboy Ham Can. You know how we do it. We don't fuck around, players for life. That's how we do it on the Family Values Tour in the nine motherfucking eight. Yay, yay, to the West Side. This our last day. Ham Cam, hey yo. He's back. It don't stop till the panties drop. You know how we do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so he said this was his last day. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, let's go back to these dates real quick. That would have been one, two, three, four, five. Um, October 24th would have been his last date, mm-hmm. if we are correct. The last five shows is what it says. That would have been at the, uh, that would have been in Omaha. Yes. But like I said, he does mention New Orleans, uh, Nolens, I believe is the way you say it around here. Uh, he does mention that in this video. So we'll go ahead and uh, I guess we'll play a little bit of the start of Ice Cube. Why don't we do that? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. 
Ness Mark, I got to ask. Yes. I could have looked this up, but who is this hype man and co-rapper of his? Do you know? Yes. It's WC. He's uh, He was in with Ice Cube and Mag-10 and the West Side Connection. He had a little bit of a solo run, too. But, yeah, they're, they're, it was all part of their little crew. They were friends for a while. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I I like this whole set of Ice Cubes, man. I, I've i always had a... I like Ice Cube. I always have. Always yeah, have, it was so. a pretty cool set. I was not at all prepared for him to be wearing a top hat. But. No, but I'll tell you, the... Let's talk about for those who can't see it. He comes out. He's wearing like a black buttoned up shirt, yeah. black khakis and a top, hat, which is a very interesting choice. Well, it was kind of the picture about the not the picture, the statue standing behind him, the huge statue where his DJ was on top of the hat, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, man, that must have been a very long wire. They had to run. Man, really long wire. I, I don't I don't know why that 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 concerned me, but. I was looking at that and I looked at my wife and said, that must have been a long wire they had to run for that. Man. That is kind of funny. Like when you get older, you start looking at some of the like technical elements. It's like, how did that? <laughs> how did they do that? Uh, that was actually what I was thinking about when I started watching this was like the audio mixing sounds very clean. So I wondered how they did that. Yeah. And think about how this, and this is a, VHS recorded to DVD, so the audio should be worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good for you know being ripped through a couple of different channels. So yeah. imagine how it sounded on the actual like you know physical copy of the release. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just play a little more of the Ice Cube Adventures. I just wanted to. Uh, I figured you would know who that was, and I just I didn't look it up. I figured I'd give you a a moment to shine, Smart. So here we go. I thank you. Oh, you're welcome, sir. Mad Hatter. I'm just teaching my family how to win in this big old mess, you know, even at that young age. You know, those are my family values because if they can get a head start on that and next second grader that's next to him, or they can get a jump start on that that uh, uh, ninth grader or that sixth grader that's right there. Hey, you know, why not give it to him? We must be in New Orleans or something, you know? For everybody in here, especially you, that said, fuck you, Ice Cube. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smart, you said you were looking at the wiki. Mm-hmm. And there's a little section on wiki called Feud with Rob Zombie. Yes. 
Which is a little misleading if you actually read it, but we're going to get into that. It is very misleading because I'm going to read you and then I'm going to read the end, which you're going to be like, well, that was kind of wasteful anyway, but I'll go ahead and read it. Now, initially, Rob Zombie was supposed to be one of the artists on this tour. Due to the high production costs, each Rob Zombie concert would cost 125000 in band fees and show production alone. Therefore, Rob Zombie was replaced by German industrial act Ramstein, who we'll hear in a little while. However, the given explanation was somewhat confusing. The firm for Korn's management said Zombie continually expressed dissatisfaction over not wanting to work with a hip-hop act on the bill and was supposedly lectured by Rob Zombie, man, uh, by Rob Zombie's management, that kid rock kids don't like hip hop. Rob Zombie's manager Andy Gould said those comments were false. He explained that Zombie had never spoken to Corn, so he could not have made those comments. Although the statement released by Corn's manager resulted in anger, Rob Zombie shared no bad blood with the bands. They actually were in the Family Values Tour 1999. Rob Zombie and Korn had been on good terms and launched the uh, Rock is Dead tour together. So it was a little confusing why they even had this in here at all. Probably didn't even need, really need to be read, but it was here, so I figured I would mention it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like that, and like you said, they, they ended up doing... He was on the tour for next year, but... Kind of feel like Ron, or Ronstein kind of works a little bit better for what they were trying to do. Right. They're, they're both a little bit of a departure from the rest of the lineup, but I think Ronstein works a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely, man. They they really did work a little bit better. Um, <laughs> obviously, we had uh, right there, we had a little bit of check yourself before you wreck yourself. We got a little bit of fuck dying coming up here. Mm, right. And since we're talking about 99 real quick, the 1999 belt was corn, limp biscuit, Mod Deep, Orgy, Stain, Primus, Ja Rule, Method Man, Red Man, DMX, Filter, and Crystal Meth. Uh, stained. I saw Stained open for Corn once. It was Stained, Smashing Pumpkins, and Corn. Hmm. Good concert. Marilyn Manson came out with Smashing Pumpkins for a little while. Pretty good. That sounds interesting. It was. <laughs> but if you were talking about like departures, Primus would definitely stand out in a lineup like that. I've seen Primus before. Great band live. Like, they're great musicians or everything, but just, like, for the rest, thematically speaking, Primus just seems like an odd group out on that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't picture Primus and Ja Rule touring together on, on any other circumstance. <laughs> well, it happens. Were, according to Wikipedia, again, on the 99 tours, originally, uh, ICP and System of a Down were supposed to be on the lineup. But they just didn't make the final roster for whatever reason. They don't elaborate on that. Huh. Very interesting. Um. Guess we'll play a little bit of the second set, a little bit of uh, Fuck Dying from Ice Cube. You know, it's funny, man. You know, I mean, you would think that this was an odd thing for them to bring out with a crowd like this, but the crowd is still doing their thing. They're jumping around. They're crowd surfing still. They are cheering him on. And he, 
I mean, again, he came out to kind of some hardcore music. He kept the crowd interactive, and I did look. This it was the '90s. People loved giving the finger to the act. The act loved giving the finger to you. It was just time. That was the times, man. <laughs> yes, it was. It's a vast departure from where we're at now. But you're absolutely right. And I mean, Ice Cube's a smart man. He was a household name at this point, obviously. But yeah. he knew the right songs to play. He knew the crowd, and he knew the right songs to play for them. Oh yeah, I mean, right in the middle of this song, you know, in the middle of the next song here, well, you know, he starts doing "It Was a Good Day," and he breaks into "Fuck the Police." Now I know what you're thinking. I probably hated that song. I don't. It's a fucking song, and he grew up in a much different place than I did. So whatever, it's a fucking good song. I'll still sing it to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, it don't matter to me one bit. But uh, ah, we could do a little bit of this right here. Good song there, man. And like you said, Ice Cube is a very smart man. He's a knows how to market himself. He knows how to do things. And he knows how to take a crowd. I don't think he cares what kind of crowd. And he just, he's out there to entertain. And he sure as hell did, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit reminiscent of, like, we're talking about Woodstock a little bit, but, like, Woodstock 99 with DMX, where yeah. it was, like, the crowd was kind of, a, it was different from the normal crowd that a DMX or an Ice Cube would draw in. Right. But they just had that ability to command the crowd. That is a very important element, even to this day, of rap music, is just being able to communicate with the crowd and be able to get them on your wavelength. Absolutely. And, I mean... This proves it right here, what I'm about to play. This little part right here where in the middle of it was a good day, he does this. Hold up, man. This shit is too soft for this crowd. Stop it, homeboy. This shit too soft. I said, here record, homeboy. We're on the family values tour, man. This the hardcore crowd right here. They came to see New Orleans in an ice cube show. And homeboy... If I know Ice Cube the way y'all know Ice Cube, then my motto on the police is, fuck the police! Dude, they are moshing to this song. Mm-hmm. They are moshing. They have like four or five pits going to this song, this fucking crowd. That's it. And they're literally showing a New Orleans police officer just standing there like. <laughs> Checks clearing either way, brother. Oh, yes, it is, sir. And they that's detail. That's time and a half, man. 
<laughs> That's time and a half. He's like, you saying what the fuck you want? I don't give a fuck. That's it. We both getting paid tonight, motherfucker. <laughs> You're getting paid more, but no, that's okay. That's okay. But uh, once again, man, he's got this crowd just cheering like motherfuckers for him. And like I said, on the floor, they are. But if you look up, even up in the stands, they're up there fucking bouncing and jumping for him. Mm-hmm. Great shit, man. Great shit. We'll play a little bit more of this, and then we'll get into the next band, because this is his last song. All these little white guys dance, fuck the police. (laughs) This little white girl out there singing it in her little halter top. (laughs) All right, let's play a little bit more of this talking parts here. (laughs) Oh, this is when they visit the orgy dressing room and it happens to be a horse stall. With shit in it, and it says Orgy's dressing room. Yep. Uh, but this is where we see Jonathan Davis carrying his kid around a lot. But here we go. Sign an autograph, and as a chick, like the thing would be to be like flash your titties. I do not look at. What is this? I never done this before. <laughs> okay. It's not a nipple. Men, man, nipple, women, and nipple. You scratch it off, and every time it wins like ten thousand. Dude. <laughs> All winners are subject to people laughing at you. (laughs) This is the girl in backstage just flashing her tits all over the place now. This is Orgy right here. And this right here, this is the song they are most known for. This is Blue Monday. This is the New Order um, and I did look it up. I was correct. It is New Order is the name of the, the 80s band. This is the New Order cover they did. And this, I believe, was the, pretty much the song they were known for. Mm, yeah. yeah I, I can't remember any of the other ones. I had never heard. I still have never radio heard on the radio or anywhere else the other two songs in my life. Let me look. I could be wrong. But I'm gonna look at the, their kind of discography and see if there's anything that sticks out to me. All but right. well, you're uh, well, you're peeking at that now. This guy is a odd little guy for some reason. He likes to sing with the microphone cord wrapped around his neck. Um, but I'll tell you, this guitarist from Orgy is a huge part of this documentary. <laughs> I, I made a grave tactical error. It did not occur to me that I could have probably came up with a better method to look them up than just typing in the word orgy. Oh, no. Orgy band. Yeah, I had to come through. Or orgy 90s band. You could even type that. But yeah, be careful typing that. Um, (laughs) Very, very careful. Um, But this guy was a big part of this. this, Like I said, this uh, orgy's guitarist, this guy with the blonde spiked hair, was a huge part of this documentary. He was in a ton of scenes and that was actually him doing the whole, uh, you know, all cards, you know, whatever subject to people laughing at you. That was him, but he's a huge part of this. And at one point he even, he gives a guy a little smooch on the, on the lips in this video. But, um, I'll play a little bit of this song for you. So we all on the same little page here. Here we go. A little orgy doing a little blue Monday for you. 
Like I said, I think this might be one of the most known songs they do right here, is this song. And I'm trying to keep it playing in the background a little bit for you guys. I hope that's all right. I hope it's not too loud in the background, but I'm just trying to keep it on. You guys can hear a little bit of the, the concert going as we talk. Um, but yeah, I believe this is. They, they do go into another song, and actually Jonathan Davis comes out for their last song, Revival. But the next song they do is Stitches. I'll roll into it in a minute. But, uh, Smart, did you get any more that's... Uh, you get any more orgy that stuck out to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I guess I will say for those that are wondering, there's still active, according to Wikipedia. Had a brief hiatus from 2005 to 2010, but they're still on the road. Ah, there you go. All right. I think we're on coming on to the next song here. Okay. On the road. Well, obviously, they're doing a cover version, but just based on the whole sort of cadence of how he sings his lyrics. I, I don't know about you, but I was definitely picking up a very Marilyn Manson influence. But he's like kind of trying to be a little bit Manson-esque, as it were. A little bit, but just not as eccentric. Right. As Ma- Which Marilyn Manson is very eccentric. and Obviously going through some troubles right now and still is. So let's just uh, <laughs> leave that alone. eccentric at the moment. He, he expressed himself in rather unconventional ways, apparently. Yes, he does treat his women a little different. Different, different. But uh, here we go. A little bit more of Orgy doing their second song. Stitches, I guess we can go ahead and get to that. He has the microphone cord wrapped around his neck, but here we go. This is one of those songs you wait for it to pick up the whole time. You're like, come on. It's, We're going to get there. It's about to get nasty. And then it just never does. It's going to get nasty. Wait. Oh, it gets funky at least. Again, you're right. You know, I didn't even pick up on that, but he is very Marilyn Manson-ish, which kind of just was that 90s music that kind of, again, you're mixing like metal, funk, hip-hop-ish, racket, rap, rackish, rap-ish, rock-ish music. Mm-hmm. It's all just sort of a mixed mush of music, but it's not a bad song. I'm definitely not going to say it's a bad song. It's actually a pretty good song. You know, I gotta admit, I was very wrong because I thought they were European, but apparently they're not. Apparently, they were formed in Los Angeles, but they have a very European sort of look to them. Yeah, yeah, they were. They they, they were definitely, and they've been around since about the '94 years. So they were only four years into their thing, and this was a big, kind of a big thing for them. You know, this this was a big concert for them that kind of put them again, kind of put them on the map too. So um, this was a good one for them, though. But uh, Jonathan Davis. Um, who found these guys and signed them to uh, Korn's label, Elementary Records. 
So they were actually signed to his own label right there. Um, but uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, go to their next song. They do a little bit with Korn. Uh, it's Korn's Jonathan Davis comes out. And uh, once again, another guy who just isn't entertaining, just the way he flips and flaps all over the stage and just everything about Jonathan Davis. He's a, definitely a hell of an entertainer. So I'm going forward a little bit. Right here we go. Here's Jonathan Davis right here. And here we go. Oh, and Revival is the name of the song. Revival. That's actually a good song, too. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Pretty damn good song. Pretty damn good song. But um, there you go. You get them coming out with Jonathan Davis. And then this is the only band, the next band, Smart, is the only band that only gets two songs. Yes. Yep. We're going to get into Ramstein in just a second here, guys. That's right. They're a German band formed in Berlin. Uh, once again, been around since about 1994. Just kind of, a lot of these acts were newer acts that just hadn't had a lot of mainstream um, exposure. Exposure. Thank you very much for thinking of the word for me. Um, a lot of them just did, they just didn't have a lot of mainstream exposure at all to them yet, and this definitely was a concert that did it for them. And I would definitely say Ramstein is one of the bigger ones because this actually gave them some radio play. I'm not gonna lie, I went out and bought a fucking Ramstein album. Um, but in between that, for some reason, all the guys are dressing up as women. They're all getting make makeup and putting makeup on. We do see the Halloween show there that Ramstein. You know what? Here they're, they're they're talking a little bit. I can play this. Hold on. All this stuff. Tonight, uh, he's on the side of the stage for <laughs> Till Ramstein to pull out his little fake pinky and take him to jail. Uh. Okay, they are. This is the the what we what we were talking about before. They were literally. It was Halloween. They went practically naked, except one of the guys wore a wedding dress. Um, they had mud all over them and basically a sock on their cock. They the had old cocksock. The old cocksock, exactly. And police dragged them off stage uh, about 10 minutes into their show. <laughs> which, that would have been the last show, which would have been on Halloween, if it was that actual Halloween show. Now, again, they did have shows on the... Let me go back up to the tours. They had shows on the 30th. They had a show on the 29th, the 27th. I don't know which show that is. But I going through, as I'm looking here, 
you would, uh, you know, you, you can kind of guess which city they might have been in. If you go down to the bottom here of the list, figure, let's start with October 23rd. You've got St. Louis, 24th Omaha, 26th Kalamazoo, 27th Indianapolis, the 29th you had New Haven, and then they were in Uniondale. Uniondale is in New Jersey. New York, New yeah, New York, New Jersey, and then they were in Fairfax. If Ooh, I had a guess, I would figure Jersey was the one that the concert got stopped. I would figure New York, New Jersey is the one where they probably got dragged off stage. I don't know if it would have been Fairfax. I think it said the Halloween one though, so that would have been Fairfax. That would have been Virginia. Oh, that might be a good one too. It says they dressed up for Halloween. So it might have been. Yeah, yeah, I guess show. it is a little ambiguous, but I took it as on that actual day. Could have been. Could have been on the Halloween, which would have been again Fairfax, Virginia. That could have been the old Bible belt there. Yeah. Because I mean New Jersey, like all manner of fucked up and weird things happen in the New York, New Jersey area. I feel like they'd be used to it. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So now Ramstein uh comes out and does two songs. For some reason they only let them do two songs on this show. Um the first one is uh, Book Dish, which I should just go ahead and give you a little bit of it here. Hold on. This is just a little bit of them talking about uh, American TV, how brutal and evil it is. And then they go on stage. And let's get to right where they're doing Book Dish. Now, Spark, I, have, I knew a girl in Florida who was actually a German girl. And one night I had her over and was watching this video. And she told me what these, basically, these two songs, a book dish basically means bend over. Mm-hmm. Which, if you watch this video, makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just play a little bit of it, and then we'll talk about exactly what happens in the video. But uh, here we go. ever heard the song they actually fucked up right there for some reason i don't know who fucked up sound like a drummer fucked something up there um perhaps perhaps someone fucked something up right there but at this point he takes his keyboardist and he's dragging his keyboardist down on top of a crate that you would put stuff for the show in then he lets him go play keyboard then he drags him back down again suddenly he pulls out a fake dick and it's shooting, I'm assuming it's water. <laughs> if, you, if you look behind him at one point, you can see something connected to him that looks like a microphone cord, but it's probably a small hose shooting water out of it as he is pretending to fuck his keyboard player in the ass. And then urinate on the crowd. And on the crowd and actually drinks it. It was very Guar-esque. Little Guar-esque, would you say? Absolutely. 
Gigi Allen, too, I guess. There you go. Right now, he's actually unzipping the pants, the shorts of the skinny little keyboard player, and he begins to pull out the fake penis and stroke it, and it begins. He's a quick comer, I'll tell you that. He really was quick. Um, One pump chump. Premature ejaculation, but the absolute amount of 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 ejaculate was amazing. I must say. Oh yeah, he had reached the end of uh, November and he made it the whole month, so he wanted to celebrate. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean November's coming up, so he definitely oh. wanted to just get it all out of there. And um... this is funny though, because like you were saying, like they they preferences. They're talking to one of the members of the band, and he's like talking about how commonplace it is for you know just violence murder shooting fighting that kind of thing to be on american television but essentially that everybody is a little they get kind of apprehensive when it comes to anything involving the body right showing your body you know showing boobs showing you know penis whatever they're very like kind of the accusation was that americans are very kind of close-minded when it comes to sexual elements but then like what and i I don't necessarily disagree with that like philosophy either but at the same time, I'm not exactly sure what the overall message of just like they got a fake dick and pretending to be on the crowd symbolizes. It's like you had a good point, but like this isn't what you're doing is not necessarily an artistic expression. It's just you find dick jokes to be funny as do I. It's <laughs> that simple. Obviously, I mean, and he's beating the hell out of that fake dick. I I, I don't know what that was all about. Um But for some reason, he had to beat the hell out of the fake dick. And uh, after spraying the crowd for a while. Then it shuts off and he does the cross. Um the old up down left right uh Jesus cross. I I'm Jewish. I have no clue what it's called, sir. Thank you. Now when you say up down left right and I thought you were talking about you're invoking the contra code. Is it up down the, right uh, left or is it left right? It's right left, isn't it? You end at the heart, right? Up up down down left right left right B A select start. Okay, yeah, now we're just going I mean Jesus Christ. I mean three seven three one seven three seven five six three. I mean Let's that's just it. let's just go right to Tyson. I believe that mm-hmm. might be. I think that's the code. It might be might be a nine at the end there somewhere. But anyway, um, let's uh, go a little bit to their next song, which is going to be "Du Hast." Yes. Now, "Du Hast" means you hate. Yes. So really, what he's saying in this song, "Du Hast Mish," which means you hate me. Yes. So there you go. Now this my, my kid walked in when they were doing this fire bow and he loved it. Oh yes. Yeah. It's a very good visual. Oh, oh he loved the fire bow. He's like fire bow. Fire bow. I think on their CD, you mentioned you had their CD. I think they had an English version of the song. Yes. I think they did too. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. I haven't seen that CD in a long time, but uh here we go. Little Duhast. Duhast.
Fuck yeah, man. Shit just makes you want to fucking break something. Mm-hmm. Good. Like I said, they are a great band, you know, and it was perfect for this time because they were kind of, they threw some of that techno metal is kind of what they were, in my opinion. Right. Which I, I guess would have been more of a, just a year. That's kind of what the European metal was over there pretty much, right? I can imagine so. I, I think mean, that wasn't necessarily my genre of choice, but like we were talking about the Euro pop with you know, even in the US was a big thing. So this was like their take on that. It was, you know, the mm-hmm. European sound, the techno sound, but with more of a harder edge to it. Yeah, they definitely had a harder edge on this song. I mean, you know, they, they had the crowd out there yelling nine, mm-hmm. which means no in German, by the way. But. Just an, but kind of an odd little band, you know. That little keyboard player is just a nerdy little dude, and then you got the big guitar player and the giant lead singer. It is funny because, like, especially in comparison to everyone else, uh, the other bands on this tour, they are very intimidating looking. Lot. Oh my god, they really are. You're right. Compared to all the other bands, it's like, yeah, these guys would probably literally kill me. <laughs> I I don't know if I ever told you this story before, but I did mention earlier that my mom had worked Ozfest and they were on for that year they were on the bill right for Ozfest and I was like eight years old or so I want to <laughs> say at the time so I was a, a very naive I wasn't the brightest of kids I would say that much but um, they had the video the video for Duhas was like they lit a motherfucker on fire in, a, in this warehouse and then at the very end of the video like there's a car bomb that goes off and they have a, the whole concert you know, they like they would show clips of their concerts on MTV and stuff, and they would show like the fire arrow and all these pyrotechnic stunts and stuff. Huh. And like, I thought at the time that they were like they actually like killed people and shit. <laughs> like this was their thing. And like, I when I found out that my mom was going to be working security on a show that they were on, I was fucking literally. I swear to God, I was terrified. Oh my god! Because I thought they were going to try to kill her. I was just like fucking just stupefied. I was mortified. I was, fear and terror just hoping that she was going to be all right now obviously that's sort of kind of shit that you would think about when you're like an eight-year-old kid but obviously well, everything was fine they, they, they controlled it and then, as a matter of fact if you like there's been a couple of stories that have come out of some of their pyrotechnics going awry and them like specifically shielding the fans from it like grabbing the devices and shit that are on fire so that nobody gets hurt jesus i mean yeah they're a little bit crazy but definitely a great band to have on this show i would say um, and again, they were not very well known and I grabbed one of their CDs just from, just from that. So we're backstage here. We'll play a little bit of this backstage segment. And then we're going to get into corn, which was the headliner. You guys, don't do that anymore, all right? No more. Oh. 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 Hey. Oh. Watch it there, hatchet boy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ah. All right, they're just tearing the place up at this point. Literally, just tearing up the dressing room. They're the guys chewing drywall. They're eating the dry, the actual uh, drop ceiling. I believe those are called. Yeah. They're chewing. Drywall and a purple haired girl is licking another girl's very nice pierced nipple, and she's actually licking her own 
at points in this video. And the other girl's like, I want to lick. And easily, the girl just lets her lick it. Pierce tongue, pierce nipple. Let's hope they don't get stuck together. Or if they do, they should have made a longer video. Uh, but <laughs> like when it's cold, the tongue gets stuck like a fucking Christmas story. And then they got the guy from uh, Ramstein, the lead singer, walking around like he's John Travolta back there with a leather jacket on. <clears throat> yeah, looks like John Travolta in Greece. You get Ice Cube to play Samuel L. Jackson. You get a nice little spinoff in there. There you go. All right, let's play this little part here of Corn talking before they go on stage here. We'd go on a plane. He'd harass oh, like the 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 full uh, first class lounge. He'd harass everybody. Like, there'd be, there'd be old track. man old man sleeping, and he'd like I kick him in the head. Yeah. And, just... and after he's done harassing everyone on the plane, he'd harass us and bite yeah. us. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Oh. He'd attack us. He'd always he had this problem with like biting us, and we'd wake I up the next you. day with a big old bruise on, you know, bite mark bruise. <laughs> I got socked so many times. I woke up all sore. What the hell happened? You bit me. I gave you a nice hey. knuckle to the shoulder. Oh, I give you a hard no, one. No, you knocked you me right up. in the top of the oh. head. Almost knocked me out. He goes, bop, right in the top of my head. I'm all, oh. I like biting people. Why are you biting each other? It's a good question. I don't know. Anyway, we got Corn the Headliner coming out right now. Dad starts like Corn. That's when we become not cool. All right. And the first song, I think they come out to Blind, correct? Yes, it is. It's Blind. Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, their first song is Blind. We'll play a little bit of corn for you here. You know what makes me mad? When 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 the security guard in front of our door is smoking, and I have to walk past him. I'm going to dump a bear on the next guy's head. What? <laughs> Care Bear goes to the bathroom. Yeah, Care Bear, that guy right there. The guy, when he goes to the bathroom, toilet pier, toilet, pisser. seat wetter. Wet to the seat. <laughs> seat right there. It's the guy they gave the mullet to. So he just goes more. So he just pees on it more. We're like Janet Jackson. We need a new toilet seat installed every night. <laughs> First starting out. Actually, later down the line, we were playing uh, with Ozzy. And, and places this size. And I was like, man, no one can do these size places. Like, we were all talking about it. We're like, I can't believe there's only like a handful of bands that could play these size places. But we're never going to be able to do that. Here we are. Damn right, there they are. You know the smell in that place, right? When the head, by the time the headliner goes on, man, my God, all mm. oh, that mosh pit must smell like a fucking stench pit. On the positive, it was at least pre-acts, so you didn't have that fucking longer around. You got a point, but people just, my God, there was a lot of stinky people there. A lot of shirts off. A lot of shirts off on guys, but they're just throwing each other around, crowd surfing. <laughs> At one point during the corn performance, you see a guy just jump on stage and dive off. They don't give a fuck. On the positive, I guess, at least it was during the fall. So, like, the people that weren't engaged in the mosh pits and stage diving, they weren't sweating all over the place like everybody else would if it was a summertime date. 
Yeah, I guess you got a point. I mean, obviously the guys on stage are sweating. They got fucking lights beaming down on their face. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, like I said, I mean, corn really is, and I definitely have. Like I said, I've seen corn a couple of times. I think they're a really good band. They've been around a long, long time. Um, 1993, I guess, is when they really started getting a little bit of a getting their is where they formed. Now, I had at one time I don't know where it is, but I had a little corn. They they had a documentary come out that I had, and they talked about how basically they found their lead singer just kind of on a whim. They were supposed to do this party for their friends. They didn't have a lead singer. They found him. He came in and fucking killed it. And they were they were like, my God, just the way he the way he sang the songs, the way he was just thrashing his body everywhere. Just from then on, we knew he was our guy. And uh, that's kind of how they found him. Mm-hmm. They were just supposed to sing at a party. I forget the name of that, but I had a documentary on them. It might might be out in the garage, actually. Or somewhere in my collection of DVDs, believe it or not. It could be there. But um, that was kind of how they found Jonathan Davis. This band's just kind of been going along and along and along. I don't... I think they're... One of their guys left for a while. Um, I think still. uh, Yeah, because it says in here, the guy who's fielding. He's on hiatus. Okay, there was that guy. But there was... Reginald Quincy. (laughs) His name's Reginald Quincy. I thought that. I think the 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 guitarist with the braids like found Jesus for a while and left the band. Yeah, I think so. I remember one of them had like a like born again Christian thing going on for yeah. a there. Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. I think so. But um, I guess they, I I think they're supposed to have another album coming out, or they might have put out a new song just a little while ago. One of the two. I know they got some new stuff coming out, or just came out. One of the two, but. Uh, they're still going strong, and they were just a a really big band back then. You know, even just in '98, just for only being around since 1993. But I got to tell you that um, "Follow the Leader" that 1998-99 album seriously could be one of the best fucking '90s albums out there. Honestly, yeah. Real quick, I will say to like I guess to kind of follow up that point. At this point in time, 1998, everybody in the band, I was looking at their Wikipedia, everybody is like within a year or two of each other in terms of birth. Mm-hmm. So all of these guys, like Jonathan Davis at this point, 98, is 27. So everybody in the band's like 27, 28, 29 at the oldest. So just to be at that point in time, to be on top of the world, to be that young, young enough to like kind of, or, you know, young enough to connect with like the teenagers and the early 20s crowd and, you know, people like that, but then just still be kind of old enough to appreciate or to understand to some degree the business element of it. You know, you were saying Jonathan Davis already had his record label at the time. Right. It's like kind of the best of both worlds. It's just like the world is your fucking oyster at that point in time. You're still young. You're on MTV all the time. You're like, you know, this big rock band. You have your own festival. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy you know, moment in their life at this point. Shit, I mean, I was 28 at this time. Mm-hmm. But it, it's kind of... It's, no, 23, it's, actually. Kind of tripping me out a little bit, because like, this is the music that I listened to, like I said, as a kid, being seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, kind of, it trips me out a little bit to be looking at it now and to be older now than they were then. 
<laughs> is sort of a little bit of like, oh boy, as the world turns. But uh, yeah, kind of further your point, real quickly. April 23rd, 2021, the band had confirmed to begun working on a 14th studio. Aha, there you go. There, you go. and I believe it's called the Nothing. I believe. Uh, let's see. It's fully. The album is said to be fully written as of April 2021. Um, trying to see. Yeah, the Nothing. The Nothing. Is yeah. Their uh, new album that's coming out eventually. All right, we'll see. Because I got to tell you, their last album was not that good. <laughs> I got off the train quite a while ago, honestly. I, I think right around uh, issues after the end of I think Untouchables was probably the last album from them I heard. Yeah. I had issues and follow the leader and stuff like that. But then when you start transitioning into like probably 2002 or three or so is about the time that new metal came to an end. And like after that, I was firmly, it was kind of, it's, it's very interesting because people that were into that, that was their genre of choice. Everybody kind of scattered in a different directions. Some people kept, you know, maintained being hardcore rock fans. I more so got on the rap train. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Untouchables might've been the last one. Issues was, was a, a very good album also, but Untouchables was kind of where they started trying to evolve a little bit. And I don't think anybody wanted to hear it. They were looking for the old corn back and, you know, they. I, th- I think they even had a ballad on that album. It's like a slower, like kind of balladish song, and I, I wasn't all up for it. But um, the biscuit might be the same thing. Yeah, you never know. But we do have. They do come out here with Limp Biscuit. Actually, now that you mentioned them, and do a little bit of All in the Family with Limp Biscuit, and uh, they're just having a blast. You can tell this was the last night. You can tell because they're in there. 80s rocker outfits and jumping all over each other and having a great time out there but uh here we go was a halloween when we played we all dressed up as like 80s like rockers all in the family with Limp Biscuit, and we had two bands on stage. Too bad I got your beans in my bag. Uh-huh. You stock up, suck up, corny motherfucker. Taking over foes is the limp. Pimp need a biscuit to save this group from Sean Davis. See, I'ma drop a little east side skill. You best step back, cause I'ma kill. I'ma kill. So what you think of Mr. Raggedy Man? Do it all you can to look and like We would play a verse. And then we would stop and stand there, and they would play their verse. It's like a battle song back and forth. And then on the course, we'd all play together. And it was like, so you had two drummers, two bass players, two guitar, three guitar players, two singers. It was a little fun. It, it, and it was pretty cool with all of them, you know, back and forth and together. It was it was actually a pretty cool. I've, I've, if you've never heard the song, you can look it up. They actually they actually recorded this song together. Um, pretty good stuff, though. It really is. It's basically a metal diss battle. Right. It really is. It's a rap rock diss battle song (laughs) but it's pretty damn good um i like it at least um we can move on a little bit um i'm gonna
go here. We got a little bit of Got the Life next. Um, I'll go ahead and play a little. Here, we'll t- do a little bit, a little talking segment here, which I'll back up. We can go ahead and do that real quick. Here we go. Thank you very much for coming out. We love everybody. It was probably the funnest show I think we've ever played because yeah. we just scooped off. We were doing stupid rock moves and we just had fun with it. Yeah, it was the funnest oh, show we've ever. We got to be 14 yeah. again. Another big song for them. Again, off that, uh, I believe, off of the um, Follow the Leader, Follow the Leader album. This song right here, uh, just another fucking badass album that they that they did right there. Like like I said, that album was really really good. I don't know how many times I played that in my old Pontiac Grand Am GT. There you go. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a that was a new one at the time, hmm. but. Uh, after that, they do Adidas, which I can move on to that a little bit, too. And we don't have that much left, actually, believe it or not, everybody. Kind of move up a little bit here. One, You know what? After that song, actually, it shows a little part where they're all back there with their kids. You go ahead and play that. You know what I'm saying? You feeling me? Yeah. I came here to get you high. We multiply. We don't do that. I'll just back here with their girls and their children. Dude, these kids are in their 30s now, by the way. You realize that? Mm-hmm. These little babies that we're seeing here are in their 30s now. That's scary. That is some Indeed. scary, scary shit right there. But yeah, you got Jonathan Davis. He bought his little boy. Uh, looks like I would. I think this is his little boy. And um, bought him a little Batmobile, which he's just running into shit everywhere, like not giving a fuck. Um, I'm sure that sure that's a hereditary value right there. Um, but anyway, they do a little bit of a Adidas here.
played enough of that right there. Now, once again, I mean, you just got all these bands, and with Corn as the headliner, but every one of these bands, I mean, yeah, except Orgy, and I'm just not that, I just don't know a lot about that band, but all these bands just went out there, and this crowd just had a fucking blast. They were standing, the, 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 I mean, the floor stands the whole time. Mm-hmm. There were no seats down there that I can see. They don't want seats down there. You can start throwing those fuckers. <laughs> That's it. It'll look like a goddamn WWF match out there. That's right. Yeah, goddamn right. You don't want that shit right there. You don't want that liability. So there's no seats down there. Plus, they're moshing and shit. And, you know, luckily the seats up top are bolted down. But, you know, all these bands were just able to go out there and put on a hell of a performance, man. And just have a fucking great time. <laughs> but... Again, Corn being the headliner was just a great, and this is this was their concert, their show, and like you said, they put it on a few more years after this. Yeah, so it was uh, sort of kind of a little bit of a swan song for like rock music as a pop standard, like because rock music after I don't know, probably about two thousand four or so, just never had the kind of footing that it had in terms of mainstream music that it did. Especially during the late '90s. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we had the grunge thing go on, and then this, like, like you had said earlier, this music kind of took the place of that and had a little more of a hardcore uh, fan base to it. But those grunge kids still were; they would go to these shows too, man. So, mm. but uh, we got a little more talking part here. We're gonna do real quick. <laughs> memorable, uh, memorable moment would have to be playing uh, Children of the Corn with Ice Cube almost every night. You have some some kids here who never seen Ice Cube perform. I think when we did this thing with Cube, it opened a lot of people's eyes. We came up to a studio. We were all nervous because there was like two or three limos out in front, and walked in, and they were all cranking. And they listened to their music so loud in the oh, studio. God. And we walked in, and it was kind of intimidating, but after a minute, it was cool. Fuck the law with my dick in my hand. We coming real. The weed smoke and the kinky sacks, nigga. What? Generation triple X. We all about the weed smoke and the kinky sacks, nigga. What? And it comes. Now I gotta tell you, last night I actually watched Triple X Two, State mm-hmm. State of the Union with him in it. I've seen it. I do gotta say, he's a believable badass in those movies. I mean, that's his whole sort of demeanor is that he's a surly person. Like, even when he's trying to do like commercials for like fucking iced tea, like, yeah. I think he actually did have an iced tea commercial. I'm not confusing him with iced tea, but like, <laughs> even when he would do commercials, he would just still be like angry at whatever product it was that he was selling. <laughs> not anymore. He's got too much money to be angry. You ever seen that guy mm-hmm. on TikTok, the angry TikTok guy? He yells gorgeous at everything. I have not. Oh, you got to find that guy. I need to find I think his name might be Angry TikTok Guy. But he's hilarious. And he's just, he tries to be angry at everything. But it's its a pretty funny thing. You need, I, I need to f- figure out a way to find that guy. I think I have him somewhere saved. Um, but anyway, let's get a little more into this. Ice Cube's talking here. I don't want to interrupt Ice Cube too long. See me here in this kind of atmosphere, this kind of arena. It's just, you know, uh, kind of like. Turns the light under their fire again. It's like we trade art for art, and that's there's nothing better than that. Little children of the corn with Ice Cube. Attention, all parents! Report to your local church. Report to your local therapist. Let them know it's going down. 
By the way, this breaks into his uh, Ice Cube song, Wicked, as it's going through, just to give you a little thing of what's happening a little bit here. So here we go, a little more of this, because this was an awesome, I this was really one of the best fucking performances on the show, if you ask me right here. Even Ice Cube's like, this motherfucker can go. <laughs> He's got that look because they, they put him down in the corner. You know, that that picture in picture view. And Ice Cube is just like, yeah, you getting there, man. I like it. Oh, man. I'll play a little more of this and then we'll uh, kind of move on. better got to yell those lyrics than that guy right there oh sorry i meant to lower that um yeah like i said i think this might have been probably the best performance on the show is with these two guys out there doing these two songs together yeah i, yeah, I really think it was on not i mean we didn't see the whole show we're obviously just watching the documentary but on the documentary i would say this was probably the the be, the best performance that they that i had seen on here now I think Korn does one more song after this. I mean, it's the name of the song, so we're going to have to talk about it in a second anyway. But uh, at this point, John uh, Jonathan Davis's son walks on stage right behind him, 
and stays there, just standing there behind him and beside him. He's got the big cans on his head so that you know the music's not messing with his ears and stuff. And his right. son is just standing beside him with a big smile on his face, just runs out there. And his daughter, one of the, oh, no, his son, I mean, just standing there beside him, and he doesn't even care. He's just like, this is awesome. It's going to be very kind of odd to be a child at that point, like to be able to go on stage and seeing all these, you know, hundreds or thousands of people coming out to see, you know, your father do his job. It's going to be kind of weird. Yeah, just sitting there watching your father flap all over the stage out there with Ice Cube sweating and just doing his thing, man. But shit, <laughs> doing a damn good job. Uh, Ice Cube talks a little bit here. Once again, we when Ice Cube talks, we listen. Yeah! <laughs> or, you know, some people come from me and then, you know, they might like a little, you know, corn on the side. Uh, I love that part. Might like a little corn on the side, you know, a little corn on the cob, you know, just a little, little, little bit, a little bit. So now, last song they do, Smark. The last song they do, Smark, is called... It, it's called Faggot. It's called you Faggot. It is called Faggot. It's spelled F-A-G-E-T. That is the name of the song. I am not being a smartass. I am not being derogatory. I am not using a homophobic slur. The name of the song is Faggot. If you actually listen to the song, it is about how the uh, gay community is treated. And he is actually singing against and um, kind of fighting against that in this song. Um, It's actually a hell of a song. And again, it it really is. It is a good song. But um, I guess we'll play a little bit of this. This is actually the last song on the video. And uh, we'll go ahead and play a little bit of this. A little bit of uh, corn. Here we go. go a little more um but i mean you can just see that i mean this kind of music this this heavy percussion music really took over the 90s oh it absolutely did for sure it really the late 90s especially it really did this i mean it just that heavy you can hear the heavy drum and believe it or not the the heavy bass guitar which really wasn't a kind of a, a, a focus on a lot of bands until I would say the late nineties when they focused on that bass guitar, those the the like I said, the kind of funky, but the bass guitar and the percussion were definitely corn's bread and butter in a lot of their songs. For sure. Yeah, they like it was definitely symbolic of the time. 
Absolutely. There's just a lot of angst and anger, and like nobody really knew what they were mad at, but everybody just knew that they should be mad. <laughs> and now just everybody's just mad at everything. That's mm-hmm. what they decided on. Is what are we mad about? Everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, at least they have, they were you know anti-establishment and all this shit back then. But mm-hmm. it's kind of weird, like you know, I mean, like Rage Against the Machine back then. You know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Now it's turned into you know, fuck you, do what you do, what they tell you. Yes. It's like what 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 happened? It's kind of turned around at this point, and now these kids are all just like, you no, know, you have to do what you're told, and it's like mm, you don't really. So the kids have become the parents. Uh, hey, yeah, you go from being angry at everything to being offended by everything. It's, it's a tonal shift for sure. Exactly, and it's not. Unfortunately, it is some of these '90s generation that's doing it, but. Yeah, I've always said that that's sort of the weird thing is that the kids that grew up with a lot of their music being picketed and protested and trying to be held from them and like all the video games that you know, politicians are trying to censor, mm-hmm. not all of them, but you get one or two that have a lot that be their platform because they'd have nothing better to think of or do. And all the good causes were taken. So getting Grand Theft Auto off the Walmart shelves was <laughs> their priority. But you get these people that like grew up have, trying to have people older than them the adults are trying to censor their media and have their media taken away from them and then they grew up became adults and they try to do it not for kids but for themselves <laughs> right for other people of their age group it's just it's so crazy right exactly i'm actually surprised this song hasn't been brought up in the old cancellation charts but um i don't know not now that we did this show who knows when we, maybe we're gonna start a fucking storm but um Perhaps. <laughs> i hope not I do, but it's, I mean, well, it's, it's a lesser known song to be sure because I did have both of the albums. I had issues and follow the leader. And I heard the uh, the first one, the self titled album. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my uncle had that one, and I honestly, up until watching this, I had pre- either not known or forgotten that that song ever existed. It was on Follow the Leader. Now I had the mini disc of Follow the Leader. Mm-hmm. Yes, the mini disc. If you remember that stuff. <laughs> You've won up to me because I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I had the CD and I was like thinking about how just people don't make CDs anymore. <laughs> and you, you've won up to me in terms of obsolete technology. <laughs> I had the mini disc. Like, oh, this. you had the VHS of this tour? I had the fucking beta mix. <laughs> <laughs> I did have the VHS. Luckily, I have the DVD recorder. This was recorded digitally. Because, like I said, this is not, e- I mean, it is on YouTube, but if you want to own this, you're going to have to go on Amazon and pay some money for it. Um, I've owned it for a very, very long time. But uh, we can play a little more of this. Fuck it, man. I still love this fucking music. I always will. This is always going to be my kind of shit right here, man. I fucking like it. I will. I always will. Always have. But, um, like I said, this is pretty much the last song. I'm going to see. I can't remember if there's any more talking 
on this video. I think there might be. They close up. And no, there isn't actually. It just ends after that song right there. And I think Smart said it rewound at one point. <laughs> it, it certainly does. Oh, it does. A where the rewind button shows up on the display. Oh, I just got a blue screen here for the, for the next few minutes. But um, like I said, it was um, this was just something I wanted to kind of wanted to try, see how it worked out. I knew it was going to be a little a little odd, a little weird. Um, but I really enjoyed doing this. And like I said, man, this was just such a good time for music. I mean, we had Limp Biscuit, we had Ice Cube out there, we had Orgy, Ramstein, and Korn as the headliner, which, I mean, what a great show. And you know what? Including Orgy, because you know what? I might not know their songs, but none of those songs sounded bad at all. Yeah, just of their time. Exactly. They, I mean, they were the 90s, and you know, I, I didn't even pick up on the Marilyn Manson, but you're right. They had a very Marilyn Manson, very Nine Inch Nails, which I mean, there's another huge 90s band right there, the old Nine Inch Nails. Very Nine Inch Nails type, even more probably a little bit of Trent Trent Reznor type, um, just kind of sound. That's too, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought about that after we were talking about it earlier, but definitely a little, but Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson, I mean, they toured together. They were kind of, they were friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a you know, one of those things. But you know, and you know, we had Ramstein out there, who again, not a very well known band, German band, don't even barely sing, and they don't sing in English pretty much. But it didn't matter, man. The fucking just the music is hard, and the beat is good, and I don't care if I know what anyone's saying. Listen, the guys at work listen to Spanish music. I can't understand one word it's saying, but half that shit is fucking good music, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That shit, that shit, you can dance to that shit right there, man. That's good stuff they play in that warehouse. And then every now and then they'll come on with like 80s rap and shit, though. But most of the time they're listening to Spanish music. And I'm like, damn, if, if I understood what they were saying, this would be even better. <laughs> so, sometimes it's like some of that, like, I don't know, not being able to know what they're saying almost makes it a little bit better. Yeah. Because you're not like picking apart the lyrics or just being like, you know, I've heard this song or this message any number of times where it's just like, if you, if you don't understand it, you're just kind of focusing on the instrumental of it, which I guess is what a lot of people do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, for all I know, it could be a, you know, a fucking Taylor Swift song about her bad choice in men who knows, but, mm-hmm. but it sounds great. Well, a lot of the music that, 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 that listen to, and, you know, like I said, you got Ramstein who doesn't even sing in English. I mean, think about going back to the eighties when, you know, um, 99 Luff Balloons, which was, was, I believe, sang sang in Dutch, but there was an English version of that song, but the Dutch version actually was a better seller. Yeah. Then the English English version was kind of a flop. I can't can't say always, but for a very long time now, in the U.S. at the very least, there has been sort of a fascination with bands and like genres from other countries. Because like even now... It's not my cup of tea, but, you know, K-pop is very popular. They were kind of redundant to say that, but right. it's a very big thing right now. You know, there's even before that, there was like J-pop or you know, J-rap that was popular, too. And it's just different countries and different genres just sort of permeating the culture in the United States. It's always kind of been a thing. Right. Yeah, most definitely. It really has. And, you know, we we're jealous of other countries until, you know, we go there. Take me home. Uh, but uh, 
I don't know, man, just a really great show. And like I said, I'm glad we kind of went back and did this. Like I said, the music of the 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 mid to late 90s had such a shift. I mean, we had the whole grunge thing with Nirvana and, you know, a lot of other bands during those, I would say, 94, 90, like 94 to 96. And then you kind of had this music sort of taking over again, that Limp Biscuit, that rock rap, Kid Rock. And all that type shit just kind of coming in. And, I mean, Kid Rock took it to a new level, if you ask me, to be honest with you. But um, it was, I mean, Kid Rock sort of blew Limp Biscuit out of the sky. <laughs> People kind of forgot about Limp Biscuit after Kid Rock came along. The first album was really good. I really liked the first Kid Rock album. Well, not, not the first, actually, because it was, uh, I think, Early Morning Stone Pimp was his first album. But Devil Without a Cause. Yeah. I, really enjoyed that one but then after that it was like you started to see the change coming i'm right. not even talking about politically i'm just talking about musically it just it became a little bit less about rap rock and then it was more of like regular rock and then you know into country and then it's just straight country later on yeah it really did become country rapish rockish which and you're right it basically became country later on i mean look at i mean you know you mentioned stained which was another band that i had seen i Aaron Lewis is now a country singer mm-hmm. and yes, a very political country singer. I, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know let's, I'm not even, not even talking yeah, about that. It's his decision. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even, I think the guy is a great singer. Yeah. I, I thought he was a great singer when he was with stained. I mean, I know they were kind of one of those little whiny bands, but yeah, I, I was never really super into that just because it was, there was a lot of just, whining and that was never really my thing i was like uh, i preferred the louder angrier angsty shit well he was still angry i mean mud shovel was a fucking great song i gotta tell you when i was well, yeah, that's when, a good when, one. when i saw him in concert he did mud a security guard okay there was like a a a, a stage that you could walk out on and it kind of was in the middle of the audience you know it kind of like a like a runway almost just with a little circle thing in the middle of it he had a security guard walk out there with him. He goes in the middle of the crowd, gets on the security guard's shoulders, and does mud shovel in the middle of the crowd on a security guard's shoulders. There you go. I mean, it was awesome to watch. It was great to see. The crowd was jumping all over, and people were trying to pat him on the back like he was a fucking wrestler. And it was just he just seemed like a really cool guy to just have the security guard just stand on his shoulders and do the song. And that, that's how we did that whole song. The whole song of Mud Shovel was done on that dude's shoulders. And then the dude just put him back on the fucking stage, walked on stage with him, walked backstage, never saw him again. Excellent. He was a big Samoan guy too. Of course. Oh my God. This guy looked like he would have fucking ripped you from limb to limb. If you would with Aaron Lewis on his shoulders, I don't think he would have had a problem killing anybody in that crowd. <laughs> Of like all the people I I have never Gotten into a fight with a Samoan person And I never would Because Mm. those are the most intimidating Like per capita of people The fucking Samoan guys are just intimidating Yeah most of them are But this guy was just a massive human being And I'm sure that that was by design um, Having this massive human being Out here with them But I mean like I said I mean that, that was pretty much what we did back in the 90s what me and my friends did back in the mid and late 90s is we went to concerts we went to festival shows and we went to comedy shows that's really what we did Mm -hmm. that was it 
And, you know, the comedy shows were great because if you went to one, they would give you tickets to another. And then, you know, they would call you with, they would mail you tickets. They would call you with tickets to smaller shows. And you would get discounts on the bigger shows for going to the smaller shows. So it was a really good deal. We would do that. But we went to, I mean, I have been to tons of concerts. I've seen, like I said, I've seen Jimmy Buffett about six times. I've seen Bad Company six times. I've seen Marilyn Manson three times. Um... I've seen, I saw White Zombie. I saw Rob Zombie with without White Zombie. I saw Rob Zombie. I've seen a lot of fucking people on, at concerts, man. I've been to a ton of them, and I used to love going, but my wife gets migraines and flashing lights. Like, literally watching this movie out there was giving her a migraine. Thanks. So, concerts are out. Yeah, it is what it is. I... I... I still like going to like live shows and I feel like nothing's better than live entertainment. I, I don't go as much as I would like to, but from time to time I'll just go to them and I, I really enjoy it. Oh yeah. I trust me. I miss going. I used to love going. It was, it, it really is. There's nothing like going to a concert, man. The, just the vibe and everything. And I know they're just kind of starting to get back rolling with concerts again and you know, this and that and just, it doesn't hurt to get out and go. And I keep telling my wife, we need to go, do one of these festival concerts and just go during the day because the lights won't fuck with her during the day. Right. And then we'll just leave at night. Fuck it. I don't care. I can get drunk enough during the day to leave at night. Exactly. <laughs> That's the spirit. Thank you. You know, I, I can do that. I keep saying that. I'm like, we need to go to one of those festivals and just leave when, when, when it gets dark. We'll leave when the lights start fucking with you. That's it. Ooh. We'll just go have fun during the day because it's usually the undershows, and, but they're usually good. Um... Like I said, I was at the Lollapalooza that had, uh, my God, Stone Temple Pilots. I'm not a huge fan, but they were good. They were actually very good live. I saw Stone Temple Pilots wow. there. I saw we actually them. have common ground here. Eh. I, I saw Stone Temple Pilots too. However, caveat, it was not obviously with uh, Scott Weiland. It was it was a couple of years ago. It was when they had the guy from Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington, was their lead singer. Ah. He was a part of the festival that I had mentioned. Okay. Uh, Riverbend, which talking about that, like I, I've had a beer or two there, but I would not get drunk there because they held it. They they hold it every year, but they hold it every year in fucking June. Oh. So we're talking June in Tennessee. We're talking about like ninety degrees with the heat index like one hundred and five or so. Just fucking incredible amounts of humidity. That would be <sighs> even for somebody who loves being drunk and irresponsible. That's just that's almost a death sentence. <laughs> ah, I used to get drunk in the middle of summer in Florida at concerts. Man, don't worry about it at all, man. It's all good. It's, you sweat <sighs> it. You sweat it out, brother. You sweat it out. I'm not trying to do that at all. Mm-hmm. I can, <laughs> as much as like I said, I like going to live music. You got to mix. I think I'll just save my drinking to the in front of the air conditioner for those periods. Ah, you got to mix a little water in with it. You got to have some water with it. That's all you got to do, man. Just mix in a, a couple of waters here and there. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. I was. Uh, I'm. Thank you very much for coming on with me. I was. I, I really needed someone on this first show of uh, doing a concert. I really did, and I'm really. I'm glad that you decided to jump on with me. I asked you at last minute, and. Uh, Sent you the video over, and I'm I'm glad you agreed because uh, I think it would have been a little tough to do by myself on this one. And um, thank you very much. So, uh, you, you got you. Any, you got anything else, bro? 
I know. I just echo that sentiment and say thank you for having me. It was fun to be able to kind of go back and get the nostalgic feeling of being a kid again, being seven, eight, nine years old, just during the fucking attitude era of wrestling and all the cool video games and just not having a care in the world. So it like channeled a lot of a lot of fun memories. So I appreciate being able to take the trip down memory lane. Ah, no problem, man. I was 23, making good money, having a good time, just doing what I wanted when I wanted, banging strippers. And it was good times, man. It was good times. It was good times. There you go. So uh, that means we go ahead and knock out these plugs one more time. It is the end of the show. It is time for you to be checking out the high marks. That's right. It's Cheese Man Mojo and G Wiz. You guys want to be checking them out right here on Mixler. Mixler.com slash Metal Mitt Network. That's right. There's two T's in Mitt. Do not forget Mixler.com slash Metal Mitt Network. Sundays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, you've got Bobby Anthem and Bobby Blades. They're the Inhumans on the Inhuman Experience. You should already be subscribed if you're not. You have problems you need to have worked out. Get some professional help. And sign up for this goddamn show already. And you've got Eric, Doug, and Daniel on the Everything Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Go check them out over there on Blog Talk Radio. Look up EUP Network. They are right there. Everything Unscripted Podcast. And you can get them on all the usual podcast platforms. And, of course, Stephen Milan over there reviewing movies on letterboxd.com slash Stephen Milan, two L's in Milan. And don't forget, me and Smark will be back next week. Eric's going to be joining us one more week. And uh, there you go. We're going to be doing that right here. Mixer.com slash Dirt Sheet Dudes. We will see you Wednesday night. Smark, wrap it up, buddy. Yes, sir. Monday is 8.30 p.m. on the Metal Mid Podcast Network. It is Cheese on Sports with Cheese Man, G-Wiz, Luke Birch, and myself. Sundays, 10.30, or not 10.30 anymore, it is 2.30 p.m. Mm. for your afternoon, the Motor City Machine Guns with Mojo and with Dirt. And last but never least, be sure to check out our friends at Planet Raconteur. So Planet Raconteur podcast with Bobby F, Papa Dave, Sincere, and Young Nasty. All 16 episodes of Season 1 are available at your fingertips as well as Season 2. So use your fingertips to click subscribe. There you go. And, of course, that is it right there. Folks, definitely appreciate this. Let us know if you like this, because I do want to try to do Live Aid 1985. I think that would be, again, that was a like a 16-hour show. It's going to definitely be a two-parter. Uh, I'll do a uh, part one and part two. And I do have a four-DVD documentary on that show that we can follow along with and kind of just uh, go with that. So that, once again, we can do if you guys enjoy this one. Please let us know. And on that note, once again, back here Wednesday, Mixer.com slash Dirt Sheet Dudes. Smart. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, sir. I will see you later. You too. Adios. See ya.